tonight's topic is a consistent and disciplined life. <laughs> so, um, got a, some scripture references we're going to go through. We're going to look mainly at Colossians. So if you have a Bible, go to Colossians because we're going to do some reading there. Um, it's the major text that we're going to look at. Um, it's actually kind of hard to talk about specific specific references that kind of cover both of these areas because consistency and self-discipline are independent and interdependent on each other at the same time. I think we all know that consistency and self-discipline are important characteristics to have as followers of Christ. But if you're trying to nail down a specific reason why, scripturally, of why it's important, you get some some rough ideas in terms of um, things that you need to be of sober sober mind about. Um, there are some characters that display some characteristics of consistency and self-discipline. A uh, lot lot more people probably talk about long-sufferingness than they do specifically um, consistency as as a trait. Um, So this is going to kind of go back and forth between some of the different areas, but self-discipline is going to be a big part of it. Um, I think we all can identify areas in our lives right now where we're good in terms of self-discipline, but also areas where we're not so good in self-discipline. But what we need to understand in terms of a a life in Christ is that these are two very important characteristics to have, and these are things that will continue to allow you to be changed um, by God over time. So these are things that, yes, that you can do, but it's also allowing him to develop some of these characteristics in you that will, in time, bring fruit. Uh, out of your life. So we're talking long-term here. We're talking a whole lifespan. Not just what can I do right now. It's what do we, what do we get out of this, out of a long-term process. And um, sometimes it's, it's difficult to do that thing right now. That is the consistent part. That's the challenge. Um, so we know that these are important qualities to have as followers of Christ. Um, I think above all, we need to understand that self-discipline specifically is not really a means to holiness. Um, it's, it's a necessity for maintaining it. It's not a means for attaining it. Um, if you think about it, there's no, there's no amount of holy actions that are going to make a sinful heart holy. You know, that makes sense, doesn't it? There's, we, you have a sinful heart, you have a sinful nature, there's no amount of holy actions that are going to change that about who you are. 
we know that it's Christ that makes us holy. We don't attain holiness by what we do specifically. We maintain holiness, but we don't earn it that way. We, we earn it or get it through Christ. That's where our holiness comes from. That's where our righteousness comes from. So this whole idea that you know, we can earn God's approval by being consistent in doing things um, certain ways is kind of unfounded because that's not how we get it. We, what we're looking at is maintaining. How do we maintain our holiness with God? That is what consistency and self-discipline get us. So it's kind of selfish in a lot of ways. It's, it's, this is what we're doing for us and our relationship with God. It's not about getting something from God. It's, this is how we feel about our relationship with God. This is, this is our good standing with God in a lot of ways internally. At least that's how I kind of think of it. Again, knowing that righteousness is not coming by what I do. It's, it's the doing that, that keeps us working towards holiness. Um, it goes along with putting on a good front or having those religious tendencies. Those aren't the things that are going to get us um, righteousness. Um, we can't put on fronts. We can't, we can't attain holiness by doing these things. Um, we have a term for people, right, that do those, that just put on a front, that don't have any consistency. You know, they're either lukewarm or they're backslidden or they're the Sunday Christians. You know, we've all heard that term. The Sunday Christians, they show up and there's no, there's no consistency. There's no self-discipline in that. They come to church for something maybe or just because it's something to do or they're supposed to. That is not helping them maintain their holiness or that righteous standing with God. You know, they're kind of doing that in vain. Not to say that God won't encounter them in a service by doing that. I certainly want to encourage them to be there, but that's not getting them what they think is going to get them. Um, so in terms of scriptural references for these things, uh, for self-control, and, and with self-control I also lump in sober-mindedness, which is a lot of the ways, or a lot of times it's, it's called in the scriptures. Uh, there's just a handful here that I pulled out on a quick check of the scripture. You've got 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. And these are all things that you can go to as you're writing down your notes. Um, these are scriptures you can go read the context around it too. Because it's always good to do that. Um, but 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. The specific passage is, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. So read the context around that to see um, what the comparison is. There's 1 Timothy 3.2. That says, Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, uh, temperate sorry, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. So there's that self-control thing. And this is about people with leadership positions in the church. That's what the the, the gospel letter is referring to people with leadership, people that will be followed. They need to be above reproach, faithful, um, faithful to their spouse, uh, temperate, 
self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Titus 1.8. Actually, the book of Titus has a lot to say about this. Um, again, with uh, leadership in the church. Uh, it says, rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. And that's referring to elders specifically. Then Titus 2.2. 2, talking to members of the church, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, in sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Uh, Titus is also one of the books that also includes women uh, in this too. Uh, I know that's kind of a hot topic or a hot button piece for people, but um, Titus refers to mature women having these same qualities as well too. First Peter 4, 7. The end of all things is near, therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. And First Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour someone. All right. Um, the major scripture reference in Colossians I want to go to right now is um, Colossians 2. And it's 20 through 23. It says, Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? The, the rules of the world say, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So he's saying that these um, these worldly commands and teaching these these things um, which for them included um, false humility and, and doing uh, doing things to their body, harsh treatment of the body um, undue regulations things like that they, they don't do anything for helping a person restrain themselves from doing things that they shouldn't be. Um, in the end. Maybe immediately, but in the long term, it's not, it's not doing anything. And when I was looking through scripture references for, for these things, for uh, self-control and consistency, I kind of ran into the question of like, if you're a new believer, which none of you really are, but if if you think about this through the eyes of a new believer, I ask the question: So, what is what's the point of holiness? You know, why do I want righteousness? Why do we want holiness? Why is this important? Why do I have to do the difficult things if one, Christ has already covered everything if you've accepted Him? Why is holiness important? 
why can't I just do what I want, knowing that I'm forgiven, and make a decent attempt at trying to be a good person? I mean, that's the difference. That's the difference in our lives in the, in, in the sense of that we're, we're pursuing God. We're really trying to follow him. We're trying to get the most out of what he has for us as possible. We want to live holy and righteous lives. So why, you know, why would we, really, why do we do that? One, you have to be, you have that, that, that change of your heart from the Holy Spirit to give you that desire, to give you that burning heart, that burning desire for him. So that's, that's definitely part of it. Um, but it's, all, it's the knowledge of Christ being supreme. Everything comes out of knowing that Christ is supreme in our lives and knowing him. That's the point. That's why we try to be consistent and have self-discipline over areas and exercise that because Christ is supreme in all things. We want to honor Christ with our lives. You don't really get that desire by just doing things because you're told that you should do them. Um, Christ is supreme. He delivered the gospel to us, and we're called to be like him. That is also in Colossians, Colossians 1, 15 through 23. And I'm going to read that. Covers the supremacy of Christ. He's the image of the invisible God, Christ, um, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Stop for just a second. It, this is something for me as a, as a believer that took some time to wrap my head around because I knew, yes, God God created all things. We were taught that from an early age. Um, And that Christ is of God. They're part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But really understanding that Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him, by Christ and for Christ. So that, I mean, that might have just been a product of my Catholic upbringing, too, and trying to separate all three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. While, yes, they're all the same, but they're all different, and there are some characteristic differences, but understanding that the qualities of all three are, at the same time, one. So at the beginning, Christ was there. At the beginning, the Spirit was there. Now, Christ is here. The Spirit is here. All there at the beginning. And so, through worship of Christ, we're still worshiping God. And so, when you talk about the supremacy of Christ, it is true supremacy. It's not just partial. It's not one-third supremacy. It's full supremacy. Um, 
He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel. So here's where those qualities come in. This is why it's important. This is the, this is the light bulb that goes on. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not move from the hope held out in the gospel. That's why consistency and self-discipline is so important. I also believe it's why it's one of the first things for us to really start to slack on. Because if our righteousness is tied up in in this. Well, yeah, it makes sense that Satan is going to hit us there and keep us from wanting to be self-disciplined in our, in our worship, in our time with him, in our, in our study of the word, in our uh, developing, uh, in maintaining our relationship with God. It makes total sense. He's going to hit us there first. Um, and then the, that's when those sins kind of creep in. That's when the things that, we, that we've struggled with over time, it's just, it gives those things that little bit of foothold. And, uh, but if we're consistent and diligent in our, in our time with the Lord, if we're consistent and diligent in our study of the word, that gives us the, that heart's burn to to really seek after all that he has for us and really go after those areas uh, those those um, areas of, of sin in our lives uh, pursuing holiness pursuing righteousness even though yes we've obtained it already we can't do anything to get more of it but we we want to honor God with our lives and we honor him by being, uh, by being consistent and in, in, in showing self-discipline. And he will continue to show us areas in our lives where we, ne- we need to be consistent about, you know, whatever it is. If it's time in the Word or prayer or time alone or time in worship or whatever, he's going to call us to. And also in First Peter um, 1, 13, 16, Peter writes concerning our salvation, which is our living hope. He says, be holy for I am holy. And that references uh, Old Testament, Leviticus. Uh, Leviticus of chapter 11, 44 through 45, and 19, verse 2, and 20, verse 7. So when Peter says, be holy for I am holy, Peter's not saying, 
hey, be holy because me, Peter, I'm holy. No, he's referring to Leviticus, the Old Testament, where God is providing the command to the people, be holy for I am holy, you are set apart, be holy. So it's that call again, pursue righteousness, pursue holiness, again and again and again. Okay, so now that we know uh, being disciplined, uh, it is, is a very important virtue in all of Christendom, but what does it look like? In Colossians 3, we then we're just moving right along. We've been through chapters 1 and 2 now. We're going into chapter 3. Chapter 3 covers rules for holy living. And this is a good outline for working on our self-discipline. We'll start there. So, uh, since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at that right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Okay, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. So this is right now. Put to death right now whatever belongs to your earthly nature. And he lists a couple things here. Uh, primary things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. And he says in the next verse, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Now we know that um, you got sexual immorality, impurity, lust. Those are kind of in the same category, in the same area. Um, but then evil desires and greed, which he, he combines together. Um, there's, there's no separation between the two, evil desires and greed, uh, then which is idolatry. We understand idolatry as idol worship. You know, I don't, I don't worship a crucifix, I worship Christ. Um, the crucifix is a representation of, but we don't pray to the crucifix, we don't worship that. Uh, we know the Israelites in, in, the, um, in the desert when Moses was on, uh, on the mountain, uh, the people thought he was gone, and so they made this uh, golden calf instead um, to worship. They said, we're going to worship this. That's, that's idol worship. You know, that's, that's idolatry, we know that. But also, um, there's this whole other side of, of idolatry here, uh, evil desires and greed, because we know that we can worship other things. We can worship greed, we can worship um, things that we don't have. Pull lust into that too. We lust after things that we don't have. Uh, we can idolize those things. We idolize other people. We can really worship those things. And so these are the things that we want to put to death now. These are things to be self-disciplined about. 
So if we need a place to start, let's start here. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. Um, you could also, it's also referenced here, um, some early manuscripts say this in terms of uh, the wrath of God instead of coming also stands for, uh, is coming on those who are disobedient. It says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. So he's going to give a list of things that we want to remove from our lives. And these are kind of the things that we need to maybe work on a little bit harder. We need to exhibit some self-control and some practice in these areas. Um, Rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language. He also includes then, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of the image of its creator. So God's not a liar. Likewise, you should represent that. So rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, anger um, some people really struggle with anger. if it's not something that you're used to dealing with. Uh, I, I think, like, for me, I don't consider myself, I've never considered myself an angry person. Um, but I would say in the last, maybe in the last five to ten years myself, um, there have been times in my life where I just have this anger and rage for no no reason about things. And, and it's weird because I can say, I'm not an angry person. Why am I so worked up over this thing? And it's just, I realize that Satan comes at us any way that he can. And sometimes it's new ways that you've never, you've never new things that you never had to deal with before. As you're, you're growing, you're getting older, there's new experiences. Um, you have... You have different uh, seasons of, of friendships and relationships, and sometimes those are um, those are dirty at times. You know, it, it's it's not easy. There aren't easy answers, and sometimes you can find yourself maybe out of the blue becoming very angry and have some rage. Now we know it says other other places in the scripture, um, in your anger do not sin. You know, we've heard that in in sermons before about. Um, about anger. In your anger, don't sin. But you say, rid yourselves of anger. Rid yourselves of rage. Malice, which is just evil, disdain, desire, you know, for, for other people or things. You know, malice. Doing things out of pure discord for somebody or something else. Uh, slander, which can be hard to not saying things about other people. Sometimes we really have to work hard not to do it. Sometimes we have to work hard to stay out of other people's business uh, and not talk about them. 
uh, filthy language. Uh, you've heard that debate before. It, it, is it okay for Christians to say certain words and certain things? Um, it's where the Spirit comes in. You need to, to talk to him about what's okay for me to use, what kind of language is okay. Um, here he's saying, you need to exert some self-control over the language that you use. Um, there are compulsive liars out there too. You know, it starts out little white lies and half-truths, and then before you know it, you're doing that all the time. So these are things that we need to practice. Um, Okay, so therefore, as God, we're going to move on. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with these things. These are the good habits. These are the good habits that you want to practice. Um, The things that take some, some discipline. And make these things a part of who you are. That's what he's saying. Make these things about who you are, and that takes time. That takes very due diligence for us to make these a part of who we are uh, and have that natural. Um, Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So you're tying up compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. You're tying all that up uh, in love. Uh, We'll just finish that section off. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um. This list of two, four, five, six. This list of six things, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and forgiveness. Um, those are things that you can put, you know, for me when I say I put it, you put that on your wall in terms of when I get up every day, how should I seek to live my life? What traits can I practice today? We want to practice compassion. We want to practice kindness. Practice humility, practice gentleness, practice patience, and practice forgiveness. Each of us have our own level of struggle with each of these. Some far more than others. And some of us even probably have the right to, to struggle. Especially when you think about forgiveness. It can be very hard depending on uh, our background. I think if you talk to anybody, though, that has gone through a process of forgiveness with someone that's hurt them, 
or um, just had had a run in with or were hurt by this person and they were able to go through the process, there wouldn't be anyone that said that it wasn't completely and absolutely worth it. It will also be very difficult. Um, I know a lot of really solid people that just cannot bring themselves to forgive a person in their life for whatever reason it might be. And again, they might have some very good reasons, but we don't get to the point where we can forgive people like that without having done it to others in other ways. You know, it's... You can't run a marathon without having run a mile first. You know, if you just try to go run a marathon, try to run, you know, um, 26 miles, you're going to fall on your face. It's not going to happen. You're going to get hurt. It's not going to work. But you got to start somewhere. So if you can't practice that, you know, if we can't even practice that with the people in our community, um, it's like Pastor says, if you can't pray for people here in church, how the heck are you ever going to pray for somebody out on the street? If you haven't practiced that, if you don't, haven't had the self-discipline to be able to do some of those things, it's not going to be realistic to, to do that elsewhere. So these are the things that we want to discipline ourselves to do. We want the discipline to have compassion, the discipline for kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, uh, forgiveness. There's plenty of Proverbs in there, too, that that talk about the importance of uh, self-discipline. Also, heeding instruction. You know, we know that, too. But it's it's an area that I want you guys to give consideration to. Um, Think and pray about what areas um, can I exert some more discipline in my life because there are benefits to actually actively pursuing those those things. Where do I need to be diligent? Start off by maybe saying, what am I good at? It, even if it's, you know, I'm really good at being self-disciplined in what I eat. Okay. Awesome. That's a start. So, you know you can You have the ability, you know what it is to practice something and be successful at it. So we can take that and we can move it over into those other areas of our lives that are a challenge. It's possible. Um, And if you find yourself struggling with that, take it to the Lord and and ask him to to give you the strength to overcome those. Give me the strength to be disciplined in this area. God, what do we need to do to help me? be disciplined in this and be self-controlled. Give me some ideas. I think I've said that before where, you know, if we don't know how to do something, ask God to give you ideas. And he does. <laughs> He'll give you some things to, to start trying to do and lo and behold, it works. It's just sometimes we don't think to ask him. We just say, I don't know how to do this and then we 
too hard. We just don't do anything about it. But ask him for ideas, and you can ask other people for ideas too, but ultimately we want to ask God to say, what are the areas in my life? How, how can we be disciplined about this? And uh, the, the benefits will be seen in a long-term, lifetime kind of context. So we don't always see results immediately, but um, it's important in our, in, our, in our holiness, our pursuit of holiness and our righteousness. Um, let's let's kind of finish off in prayer. Are there any questions or comments from you guys? Nothing. Okay. Let's just finish off in prayer. Um, Lord, thank you for today and for who you are. God, I ask for each of us that you would bring up areas in our lives where we need to be more disciplined and self-controlled and consistent. We know that you have good plans for us. We know that you desire that our hearts burn for you. That Uh, We want to pursue righteousness. We want to pursue holiness. And we want everything that you have for us. We want to honor you with our lives. And I ask for each of us that you would bring up, bring to mind areas where we just, we we really need to work on um, that self-control. Give us ideas on how to break through in those things in areas of sin in our lives. God, help us remember that self-discipline and self-control are not a means to holiness, but um, it rather um, it helps us maintain our path towards righteousness. in our pursuit of holiness. I pray that our time with you uh, is, is just excellent. I pray that our hearts burn for your word. I pray that our hearts burn for time alone with you, with your presence. And that we hear from you daily. I pray that we would be known as people who are um, who are the things that are listed here that are uh, compassionate, that are kind, that we're people with humility, with real humility, not false humility, um, that we're gentle people, that we're known as being patient and forgive, uh, forgiving. And I pray that we would be known as those kinds of people. Just help us to exercise those those qualities and those things daily. In your name, amen.